It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is September 21st, 2020. My name is Philip Ross, and I'm the expert insight editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at underscore. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to take a look at the Magic's depth chart and reveal where the Magic actually have some needs entering the 2021 season, some positional needs. But then we're going to go beyond positions, and we're going to talk about the skill gap that the Magic still face and why the skill gap isn't just about shooting. We'll talk about all that coming up in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Just searching wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's podcasts covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown, want the local angle to last night's Western Conference Finals between the Los Angeles Lakers and Denver Nuggets? Check out Locked On Lakers and Locked On Nuggets. They are your best resource for coverage of the Western Conference Finals, just like Locked On Heat and Locked On Celtics are your best coverage for the Eastern Conference Finals. No matter what team you're interested in learning more about, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, or College 2, there is a Locked On podcast for you. Just search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. That's $10 off your next order. Go to BuiltBar.com today. So, you know, it, I, I don't want to dive insanely deep into the offseason quite yet. Um, so, so we're going to have a discussion about the Magic's positional needs and, and a few other issues, but I'm not going to sit here and predict where the Magic are going to go or what moves the Magic are going to make because, frankly, the depth chart I'm about to review to end the season is not the depth chart we're going to have at the beginning of next season. We're all sitting here expecting change. We're all, and I want to make that perfectly clear. We're all sitting here expecting the Magic to make at least one major move to change this roster up somehow, to try and position this roster in a better spot. And it's something that, that I know I have hammered home. I will probably hammer it home again later this week. The goal for the Magic this offseason is to begin looking like the team they ultimately want to be. They need to move the chess pieces around and set up the board the way that they want to be when Jonathan Isaac's healthy, when you know they, whenever they believe Muhammad Bamba's ready to play, whenever Chumo, whatever Chumo Kiki's going to be. This year needs to be, this upcoming 2021 season, yes, the Magic still need to go for and make the playoffs, but this 2021 season is very much about setting up the team for its future. Whatever that looks like, whoever that is, this 2021 season is a chance to reset the board a little bit. Now, I say that, of course, fully understanding and fully accepting that this is not a tank job. The Magic are not going to go to the bottom of the lottery, intentionally at least. 
they're not going to gut this roster, and unless they want to clear some cap room, which I don't see much point in. This is a this is a season where the Magic are going to be looking to develop guys, but still compete at a high level, or at the level that they've been competing at, anyway. The Magic's overarching philosophy, and it's just become very very clear that this is what Jeff Weltman and his staff believe in, and I don't blame them. It's very clear their philosophy is young players do their best developing when they are put in winning environments, when they are put in situations where they have to compete and where they have something to play for at the end of the season. Honestly, I don't think the Magic would be upset to just miss the playoffs, especially with the injuries that they suffered, suffer, that, they, that they've already suffered heading into next season. I think they want to be competitive again. And you might call that the, the hamster wheel of mediocrity, and you are probably right. And finding your way out of that is necessary. But it's also where the Magic want to be because they have a lot of young players they want to develop. But the Magic's depth chart does reveal, reveal a ton of holes. And I do think that it is instructive at this point to at least give a little bit of a look at the Magic's depth chart as things stand. Because that's going to tell us where the Magic actually need to add players to the roster, where the Magic need to improve, and where the Magic's weak spots really, really are. They have a lot of big decisions to make this offseason. DJ Augustine is a free agent. Michael Carter-Williams is a free agent. Russell Wundu will be a restricted free agent. Melvin Frazier has a team option. Evan Fournier obviously has that player option. James Ennis has that player option. And while we expect that Evan Fournier and James Ennis will take those player options... Every other player on the Magic's roster is up in the air. The starting lineup feels set. Markel Fultz, Evan Fournier, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Vucevic. Of course, Jonathan Isaac out for the 2021 season. So James Ennis, probably, if he picks up that player option, becomes your starting small forward. But behind that gets very, very tricky. And so there are two very clear needs that the Magic have this offseason, positional needs that the Magic have this offseason, that they have to address in some way. And a lot of this is because of that Jonathan Isaac injury. I did not, you know, everyone knew that the Jonathan Isaac injury was devastating. It hurt. Just emotionally, just developmentally, it hurt. But for a, but focusing solely on the 2021 season, it leaves a gaping hole at the forward position. A position that the Magic thought they had a lot of strength in suddenly doesn't feel so strong. Take a look at that small forward rotation again. With Jonathan Isaac out, you've essentially got James Ennis and Chuma Okiki. James Ennis, solid player, had a good run with the Magic this season. Not the shooting that the Magic ultimately wanted, but he, he is a good filler and fits into his role. No complaints about James Ennis. But Chuma Okiki is a complete mystery. I think that it would be unfair to Okiki, or probably a little silly not to hedge your bet, and have another small forward, another rotation-caliber small forward in your pocket. And honestly, how the Magic fill this role is going to determine what kind of season that they have. You know, Chubo Kiki could come in, he could start right away, he could be a star. I, I'm not I'm not saying that isn't possible. Um, but is that a bet you're willing to make? If you're Jeff Weltman, is that a bet you're willing to make? Now, Al Farouk Aminu can slide over and play the three a little bit, but the power forward position, also not that strong. You've got Aaron Gordon, who's versatile and all that stuff. you got Al Farouk Aminu, who's similarly versatile. And then you got Gary Clark, who's actually got a qualifying offer this offseason. It's not clear whether the Magic will bring him back either. So, to say the least, to say the least, 
the Magic have to find a forward somewhere, whether that's in the draft. You know, I think a lot of us have poked around for Sadiq Bey. A lot of us have poked around for Aaron Neesmith, Devin Vassell, you know, those kind of players. They either have to find it in the draft or in free agency or, of course, in a trade. And we're not going to sit here and predict trades or, or really predict too deeply into free agency. This is just about identifying the Magic's needs. Suddenly, those two forward spots have become very, very big deals. They have become... It's become an area of, frankly, weakness or or lack of depth. Because the Magic obviously have three starter-caliber players that can fill those two forward spots. But one of them is injured, and one of them is coming off of a a season-ending injury himself and will not have played basketball in a year. The backup for one of those positions, too. So if you say, well, okay, well, actually, the Magic have five starter-caliber guys for those two spots. Well... You know, James Ennis is James Ennis. I think we know what know what he can do. Isaac's out. Aminu's coming off of season-ending injury. Will not have played basketball since December of 2019. And Chimo Kiki has not played basketball since March of 2019. It's very possible that Chimo Kiki will go 18 months without playing competitive basketball. And, Ch- and Alfred Aminu will go at least 12 or 13 months without playing competitive basketball. You're going to stake your season on that. You're going to stake your entire season, your playoff hopes on that. Again, how the Magic decide to fill this spot, what the Magic do at these two forward positions is going to determine whether the Magic are serious about making the playoffs or not. Rely on Aminu, rely on Okiki, and then bring in you know young players like, say, B.J. Johnson or Vic Law, um, or you know shoot, go, go, go grab Emile Jefferson from, from Lakeland again. Bring those players into the fold. As, the, as your depth, as your backups. And if it walks like a tank and smells like a tank, probably is a tank. I, I'm not saying that that is a pure tanking move. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure they have the reasons. Those are guys that they trust. And certainly they, I'm, not saying that, I'm certainly not saying that, that that's an automatic tank, but the odds tip the other way. And again, I just don't think that's what this franchise is about. I think that they will try and find a veteran or try and use... One of their trade ships to try and shore up this depth because, you know, the center position just does not have versatile players. Nikola Vujic, Mo Bamba, Ken Birch, they can only play the five. Positional versatility has been a big thing for this front office, but positional versatility is not everything. And before we dive back into the point guard problem, which I think is the other area that the Magic are a little bit weak in, before we dive into that point guard problem, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between positional versatility and skill versatility. But before we do that, I want to talk about another versatile product, a product that I have enjoyed immensely. And every time I try a new flavor, I am surprised by just how good it is. I actually think I, uh, I said it out loud while I was eating eating a Built Bar yesterday. And that's, that's, that's Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar, the energy bar that tastes like a candy bar. And I... I Cannot stress that enough. It does taste like a candy bar. I look forward to eating it. I probably have like one every couple days. I look forward to eating them. It's, it's not something that I'm like, oh, I got to eat this thing to replenish my energy. No, I I look, I you, I honestly am I'm worried that I'll eat too many of them because that would not be good. All things in moderation. But Built Bar is an amazing product and, and it continues to continues to be the best protein bar that I have ever eaten. Comes in 18 amazing flavors, and if you think that they don't taste like this, I can tell you you're wrong. Cookies and cream. I had cookies and cream yesterday. It was delicious. First time, first time I opened the box, chewed it, but bit into it, and I was like, oh, oh dang, 
This tastes like cookies and cream. This is exactly what it says. And it's not just cookies and cream. You can get lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, coconut almond. We'll leave the almonds for a little bit. Mint brownies, salted caramel, double chocolate mousse, orange. Any, they have so many great flavors, 18 flavors, that it is absolutely worth the try. They will undoubtedly be a flavor for you. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious person. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for keto diet. Comes in amazing flavors, and again, their flavor profiles are incredible. The cookies and cream that I was talking about yesterday that tastes like cookies and cream. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. All the energy and protein that you need without any of those nasty side effects or those nasty calories that bog you down. This is a quick bite and you're up and ready to go to finish your day or start your workout or finish your workout or whatever, however you use it. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, something that I think, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll fully, let me, let, me, let, me, let me start this way. I will fully admit to this. You know, I learn things as I go along on this journey, on, on this journey. You know, you know, I started off writing as a fan and, you know, the analysis was very, very simple. I started, I got, got at, you know, I got access as a media member, really began to learn a, a little bit more about the inner workings of the NBA and saw how hard players worked. And my perspective changed on things. You know, I, you know, was really into the, the front office stuff, especially during the, you know, 2009 playoff run. I watched how everything deconstructed. You know, I, I believe wholeheartedly in kind of the, the, the tank, you know, the process type stuff uh, and how to rebuild uh, that had worked for the Magic, you know, so often before. And I learned a lot about, you know, kind of rebu- what works and what doesn't work in rebuilding a roster. And, and, you know, I'm sure my perspectives will continue to change. And, and, and I, want, I want everyone to know that I am always le- trying to continually evol- evolve and learn things. You know, I, I am not a... I, if y'all listen to this podcast, you know I am not a hot take person. You know, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and spout off the mouth or, you know, say something that isn't, you know, kind of thought out. You know, sometimes on here I will kind of test some theories out and talk myself in and out of out of conversations. You know, I, I, I do a lot of kind of weighing both sides. Um, and and, and, and I, I know that's kind of, kind of a weakness of my arguments and sometimes of this. But I'm always trying to, to learn and evolve my thinking on how to build a team uh, and how to analyze this team. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be stuck in my ways, and, as we all sometimes do. Um, and so I want to always be looking for fresh ideas and for fresh perspectives on what works and what doesn't work. Um, you know, again, I, I, I don't try to be necessarily a conversation leader on a lot of things. Sometimes I want to follow and, and kind of see where that line of thinking, where that road takes me. You know, I came, though, across something that was interesting on Nylon Calculus the other day. And they had a breakdown of kind of what makes a successful lineup. 
Um, you know, a lot of it born out of the Philadelphia 76ers and their struggles um, to create successful lineups. It didn't seem like their lineups fit. That was always a big question. You know, Ben Simmons, you know, our shooter, Joel Embiid's a post-up player. It, it, it all seemed to clash. Now, the Sixers still had a really successful lineup. They still had a high positive net rating, but in the playoffs, they obviously cratered. Some of that's just they didn't have enough creation. And, you know, Nylon Calculus, stat, it's a stat, stats website, so sometimes they get a little too in the weeds for even me. Um, but they kind of came to a simple kind of triangle to determine, like, skill sets that make lineups fit. And it was spacing, uh, creating, and uh, defending. Essentially, rim protecting. Protecting is, is how they described it. And every player they were able to track, you know, they, they came up with some numbers and, and, and came up with some things to, to track you know, where players sit sort of on this spectrum. And, you know, being the magic blogger and writer that I am, I, I read that and I was like, that, that's that's really interesting because most of us, you know, when we look at the magic, think, okay, this is a team that doesn't have a lot of shooting, that that, that is, very, is lacking in a whole bunch of things. And so I plugged the magic's lineup in there. And, and Grant, you know, remember, the magic starting lineup actually had a positive net rating. I think it was plus 1.9 points per 100 possessions. This is, you know, not a runaway successful lineup, but... You know, you put that lineup in, you're going to win more often than you don't. That's 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 kind of the gist. And and the Magic's closing lineup, if you put Terrence Ross in there, was a minus, and Terrence Ross instead of Jonathan Isaac, that is, that's a minus 0.9 net rating. Again, not terrible, not good, but that's what you expect from about a 500 team. So, you know, the Magic with their full starting lineup played, you know, maybe as a 43, 44, maybe 45 win team. Uh, without it, they were probably a 40-39 win team, something like that. So, you know, again, played about where, I mean, this team essentially played about statistically where it was expected to play. But I plugged the Magic into that chart, and I noticed something very interesting. At least on the three points that Nylon Calculus wanted to calculate, each Magic player, except for one, essentially hugged one side of the triangle. You know, if you're if you're more of a creator, you go to the top of the triangle, the point of the triangle. If you're more of a spacer, or, you know, shooter, you're to the left side of the triangle, you know, more to that left point of the triangle. If you're a defender, you're more to the right side of the triangle. And essentially, every Magic starter, and Terrence Ross, was essentially on one side of the triangle. Markel Fultz was, you know, close to the top as a creator essentially right at the top of that triangle. Um, Evan Fournier was kind of midway all the way to the left between shooter, spacer and creator. So he's kind of on that left plank of the triangle. Terrence Ross, very much the same thing, right on the line closer to that, that spacer area. Um, Nikola Vucevic, you know, actually was kind of on the right side of the triangle as a protector and uh, a creator, I believe. The only player who had seemingly an abundance of skill or, or, or was kind of in the middle and, and, and they didn't quite know how to categorize him was Aaron Gordon. He was kind of in the middle of the triangle toward the top as a creator. That's kind of how the Magic used him. You wouldn't expect him to be a shooter, obviously. But, um, you know, he was a creator slash defender. Like right in the middle of that, right in the middle top of that triangle. And that's interesting to me. 
you know, obviously, you know, you go read, go to nylonkalculus.com, check out the, the post and see kind of how they measured everything. Um, but it, it, the visual of it was very, very interesting to me because so much of the talk since Jeff Weltman took over has been about positional versatility. It's been about, it's been about getting guys who can play and defend multiple positions. And that is important. Don't get me wrong. Having a guy like Aaron Gordon who can play the three and the four, having a guy like Jonathan Isaac who can defend pretty much all five positions if he wants to, is really important. Having Evan Forney being able to play the two and the three is really important. Having Michael Carter-Williams who can play the one or the two is really important, especially because Steve Clifford just loves lineups with two point guards. All that is really, really, really important. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I still think positional versatility is really vital. But one thing that I think we all understand is lacking, we don't need numbers to tell us this, but the visual of it certainly woke me up, is what the Magic are lacking is skill versatility. So many of the Magic's players are fairly one-dimensional. Sure, Nikola Vucevic is a good passer for a big man. But he's not creating much for anyone. He is a scorer and average defender. Jonathan Isaac is a defensive monster. But his offense still has a long, long way to go. He isn't creating for anyone, and he's certainly not spacing the floor. Aaron Gordon has grown significantly as a creator and as a distributor. But he is still mostly a defensive player who struggles to shoot. Terrence Ross is a straight bucket, but his defense leaves a lot to be desired. Evan Fournier has become a better creator, but most people on the internet at least at least complain that Fournier tries to do too much. And I think there is something to that. Markel Fultz is an ultimate creator who has improved his jump shot, but still has a long, long way to go. And he's a rookie. So he's essentially a rookie, so I'm I'm not going to go too far down that rabbit hole to criticize him at this point. I think that he's still got a tremendous amount of growth to do, and we don't quite know where, where his potential and what, what he ultimately can be lies. But you can see already how quickly these players can be defined by one singular trait. And it's not that they have a multitude of traits. Now, you can't have a bunch of these guys. You need, you need your spacers. You need your defenders. You need guys that fit specific roles. So it's not so simple as find a guy who can do everything. You need someone who can do something very, very well and add skills beneath it. But the biggest thing holding this Magic team back, the biggest thing that hurts them in the playoffs is every single one of their players essentially does one thing. And that makes them incredibly easy to defend in a playoff situation. I think that the Magic have done a great job with, the, with their philosophy and trying to build a certain roster, a roster with a certain kind of player. And that's fine. We talked a lot about Al Farouk Aminu already. We talked a lot about him during, during the discussion I had last week about how, you know, his, the move to acquire him had some logic behind it. It was, you know, kind of doubling down on a skill set that they already had, especially with Chumo Kiki waiting in the wings. But there was logic behind it. There was cer- certainly a matchup necessity to it. But at the end of the day, Alfred Camino is exactly like what the Magic have in Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac. Duplicated a skill that they already have. And while I, I think Aminu is due for a bounce-back season, as he was just abysmally bad on offense, certainly his defense is world-class. You know, I don't think the Magic, ne- I, I don't think the Magic were optimal, optimally used that space but I don't think they necessarily made a mistake either. But the bottom line here is the Magic just don't have guys that can do multiple things. 
They don't have skill versatility. And if I'm the Magic, if I'm looking to improve this team, you know, I want guys that fit my ultimate vision. I'm not saying abandon that just to get a guy who can shoot or get a guy who can shoot and defend, but, you know, the Magic don't have 3 and D players. They don't. They need to find guys that can do multiple things. And maybe even the draft a guy who can do multiple things. Maybe that is Chumo Kiki. I don't know. Maybe Chumo Kiki is that 3 and D player we've been waiting for. But to me, it is skill versatility that this team is missing. If the Magic want to make their lineups work, if they want to make some of these mishmash lineups work, either players have to develop skill versatility and be able to do more than they currently are doing, or they have to find guys who do that. To me, this offseason is not just about acquiring shooting. To me, this offseason is very, very much about finding guys who can do multiple things on the floor. And that's more what I'm looking for the Magic to acquire and where the direction I'm looking for the Magic to head as they enter the offseason. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So back to the Magic Step chart thing. Back to where we started with, with the Magic Step chart. And I think, you know, besides finding some forward help, especially small forward help, perimeter forward help. I think the Magic's other big need that they have to, this positional need, they have to address this offseason is the point guard position. Obviously, they have Markel Fultz installed as the starter, and I don't think that's going to come under fire anytime soon. But they have, obviously, two big free agents there, T.J. Augustine and Mar- Michael Carter-Williams. I think it's very possible the Magic bring both back, um, you know, because they, they have early bird rights on Carter-Williams or they have bird rights on Augustine. Um, but I think it's more likely that only one is back next season. And I, and I think that it's... And obviously the Magic want three-point guards. Steve Clifford likes to run two-point two guard lineups. They certainly could look to the bargain bin and try and find some veteran help. You know, I've already had someone suggest that Jeremy Lin would be a good addition to the Magic, and I actually kind of agree with that. I think that, that he would, you know, obviously succeeded very much with Steve Clifford in Charlotte, um, would come in understanding and knowing what, what's expected of him, and certainly would have a familiarity with the coaching staff. Um, as well as I think that he would give the Magic the kind of, you know, if, if he's healthy and if, and if he's still, you know, got the skill skill level, um, you know, give the Magic the kind of creation at the point guard position and shooting at the Magic need at the point guard position. So I don't, I, I, there are good ideas out there to, to, to show up the point guard position. But one thing that they certainly have to do is figure out what happens to that backup spot. Which three guards are going to be there? Who's going to join Marco Fultz as backup point guard, as, as point guards on this roster? I think the draft is certainly a very heavy favorite for the Magic to try and grab a third or backup point guard, bring in, you know, maybe sign DJ Augustine to a one or two year deal to stabilize the backcourt, uh, and then have the backup have a rookie kind of play the point guard or shooting guard position as an understudy or play that secondary ball handler role that the Magic often like. But honestly, like Michael Carter Williams, probably you know as long as he's healthy, probably gives the Magic the better chance to win just because he's such a dynamic defender. He's improved significantly as a three-point shooter over the last year. Um, although still, 
a guy that a lot of people leave open. Um, it, I, I think there are not a lot of easy decisions. Um, you know, Augustine, I think, and I'm going to discuss this, I think, a little bit later on in the week. Augustine, I think, is really valuable as a veteran. Um, I, I don't, I honestly, I think we underrate how valuable DJ Augustine is to this team. Um, you know, I think that he is a mentor to a lot of young guys. I think he's uh, sets a very good example for how to to kind of be professional. Um, and, and I I think he does a good job. I mean, from everything I've heard, he keeps everything very light and loose behind the scenes too. So like, I I I know a lot of people are kind of say, you know, DJ Augustine negative impact on pace. That's certainly true. Is more kind of pounds the ball into the ground, likes to play at a slower slower pace and get the magic into their offense a bit slower, but. You know, not everything is about what happens on the court. Um, you know, I, I I do think that he is super valuable to this team, and and I, and I do think that there is absolutely the chance that the Magic keep him because of that value, because he he can be he does something that goes beyond what his statistics say he does. Um, replacing that would be very difficult, uh, and so I, there are a lot of questions at the backup point guard position. You know, there are a lot of again. A lot of guys they could draft, you know, RJ Hampton, Theo Maladon, Cole Anthony, Kyra Lewis, um, you know, certainly up higher, Tyrese Halliburton, um, and and uh, uh, Killian Hayes are guys that, that are available in the draft. This is a point guard heavy draft. So if the Magic did want to go a little bit younger and find a backup point guard or, or someone who could play alongside Markel Fultz even and play some point guard in this draft, it is certainly available to them. This is certainly a draft, especially at 15, where the Magic could get a quality you know, rookie to play backup point guard to play alongside Markel Fultz in, in some lineups. I'm, I'm still skeptical that doing that is the right idea. I don't think, you know, I think you want to keep the pressure off Fultz a little bit. Um, You know, make sure that there's a clear pecking order, that, that Fultz understands that he's the guy. Um, But again, you know, I, I don't know what the Magic do in the situation. So to me, the Magic's positional needs this offseason are very, very clear. To me, you know, obviously the skill the skill needs are clear too. They need shooting, shooting, and more shooting. But to me, the positional needs are they probably need another wing player, uh, specifically one who could play small forward, so maybe a bigger wing, um, and they need to shore up their backup point guard position. I think they're set at center. I don't think we'll see them touch the center position this offseason, you know, again, barring trades. I don't think we'll see them touch the power forward position very much, although certainly I'm sure they'll look to shore that up. It wouldn't surprise me if Gary Clark is back next year. Uh, And then I think they need to... Um, you know, add another wing player of some sort. Certainly, again, certainly a bigger wing that can play some small forward um, and then shore up the backup point guard. Again, this is all barring trades. A trade could upend everything the Magic are doing or, or the way things are. But to me, sitting here today with the offseason ahead of us, these are the positional needs that I see. But like I said earlier too, they have a lot of skill needs too. And it's not just about getting more shooting, although that is certainly glaring and needs to happen. They need guys who can do multiple things on the floor. So that's that's kind of where I stand. That's how I assess where the Magic are at this point in the offseason. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, tune in, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr_md. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. I'm hoping that I'll have an episode to you guys tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, September 22nd, around noon. If not, there'll be one in the late afternoon. The Magic are hosting an event at the Amway Center to celebrate National Voter Registration Day. Um, it should be a, if you're not registered to vote um, and you live in Orange County, head on down to the Amway Center tomorrow. I think it's, I think the event starts at 11 a.m. Uh, head down to the Amway Center and, you know, again, a big thing that I believe in, certainly, 
is to celebrate your vote. Let me let me share what I do on election day. I typically early vote. You know, I'm very very, you know, just you know very particular about about my voting. But uh, I you know I usually do my research. I get my sample ballot. You know, I fill that out. I take my sample ballot with me to the ballot box, and I you know I literally I I will literally just kind of copy copy my answers. Um, I. I always go vote, you know, whenever I vote, whether it's on election day or early voting, after I vote, I go get a hamburger because nothing makes me feel more American than voting and then eating the greasiest hamburger I can find. So, uh, I, I, that is how I celebrate my vote. I am a, I'm a big believer in celebrating your vote. And so I'm really excited. I'm planning to be down at the national voter registration event on Tuesday, which is why I may not be able to record uh, Tuesday morning. Um, I'll have, you know, I'll, I'll hopefully have some sound from Steve Clifford and, and, and Mo Bamba who are expected to be there about the event itself and about the importance of voting. So, you know, if, if that's what you tune in for me for, that's what that's what we'll be talking about tomorrow, uh, or at least tomorrow or Wednesday. Um, it, 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 again, if you have the opportunity, if you're not registered to vote um, and you live in Orange County, this is a great event to, to take care of that and, again, to celebrate the act of voting. That's the most basic right we have as Americans, and it's one that we should absolutely exercise to our fullest extent. And, of course, it being an election year, no matter what side of the aisle you vote on or you vote for, um, Florida is an impactful state in the national and national politics. But don't forget, there's a lot of important local races on the ballot too. It's voting is not just about what happens every four, every four years in November. Voting is about your primaries in August, your municipal elections throughout the throughout the year, and and essentially voting every November um, for whatever is on the ballot. So. Be informed, you know, definitely pay attention to the news and more important stuff than basketball. Um, but take, the mo- take a moment, as always, to celebrate the rights that you have and, and exercise those rights when you can. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.